the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Brown. Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the show, the first, the first show of 2019, and what a show it's going to be. Uh, I have an incredible entrepreneur on the line that's uh, I'm going to be interviewing named Diane Halfman, and I want to get into her, uh, but first, in a moment, I just wanted to say I'm excited to have you here. Welcome to the show if you're brand new. If you're brand new, give it a shot, listen to a few episodes, and uh, and see what this is all about. You know, every Friday we interview an awesome entrepreneur, someone who's creating great things or has some great stories and strategies in their life. Uh, this one's no different. And then usually on Tuesdays we do some teaching. This last Tuesday, man, I tried to put on the microphone. Let me tell you a story. So I come down to my basement, and uh, I had the flu, and my son started throwing up the day after Christmas. So it's Christmas. We had an amazing holiday. Hope you had a great holiday with your family. And that was on Tuesday. On Wednesday, was it Wednesday or even Tuesday night? Like it, it was right away. He starts throwing up in the middle of the night, like just throwing up. And he gets a stomach bug and then he has a fever. And he basically had the flu for a week. And then the next day, my wife got it in the morning. And I'm thinking, okay, at least I can take care of them. Six hours later in the evening, I get it. So all three of us are like bedridden. Uh, our couch in the living room, we have this cool little couch that is kind of like a U-shape, but there's an ottoman in the middle, and you can take the ottoman from the, from the edges of the U and put it in the middle. So imagine it's like three couch cushions uh, long and then two deep. So there's six all in a row right there. So we have this kind of a couch bed thing. And, man, all three of us just spent the last week just lying on the couch watching TV, falling asleep, just having having quite a life. So it is exciting to be back with a microphone in front of me and to be back with all of you. Super blessed to be here. So uh, that was my holiday. How was yours? How was yours? Uh, being the new year, I hope, uh, hope you have an exciting new year. In the new year, you know what? I'll save this one for the next Tuesday. So the next Teaching Tuesday, if you want to listen in on that, get ready for it in a couple of days, I will be talking about why you shouldn't set goals. Why you shouldn't set goals. So listen in on that. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be different than, you know, usually we always talk about New Year's resolutions and goal setting. In this case, we are talking about specifically why not to set goals, the damage they can cause, and ultimately it's like how to, you know, how to do them right and how to do them wrong. So that'll be a lot of fun to do. Uh, get ready for it. All right, without any further ado, let's get into Diane Halfman, my interview for today. Uh, Diane is a life reset solution specialist. She's the host of the Live Your Spa Life show. She has her own podcast and radio show. She facilitates engaging conversations with highly accomplished entrepreneurs. She's had people like Sandra Yancey, the founder of eWomen Network, and Lisa Sasevich, the queen of sales conversion, quite famous in our industry. And, you know, Diane, we have a really, really interesting interview. Um, she got a degree in criminal justice, and that took her deep undercover on the vice department as a prostitute, of all things. <coughs> Excuse me. She shares some crazy stories from her time undercover, and we get into the thinking, the emotions, uh, some of, you know, what she saw in that world and what caused her, what she took from there and what caused her to get out of that and get into what she does now. 
learned a lot about how to influence the world for the positive because there is so much negativity, but we don't have to live in the negative. Uh, she teaches. She began teaching methods of adding order and organization to people's lives. She created something called the clutter to drama ratio. So how much clutter to how much drama, there's a ratio in your life. And you get to find out what that is with Diane. And she even shares some methods about how to organize your mind, how to organize your home, and even your life. Uh, and on her podcast, she teaches entrepreneurs nine key elements to take your power back and take control of your life. So we get into some of those key elements on the interview. Uh, it's a really, really fun time together. And then she has a sweet gift for you. It's called the Life Reset Quiz. So listen into the end. We'll talk all about that. Enjoy the interview, Miss Diane Halfman. So Diane, I am so, so excited we finally made this, of course. I feel like I say that to almost every podcast guest because you're someone that I've been talking with and getting to know a little bit over the last several months, and we finally have our time together. Uh, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? I'm great, Matt. It's so good to be here. I'm a fan as well. I just love hearing what you're up to, and I just think anything in the entrepreneurial world really serves. And well said, well said. Now you have, uh, well, you have a lot about you. You have an amazing presence, but one of the things that I'm very excited uh, about getting into is, so, you know, some of your story, it's not every day you meet someone that is in the entrepreneur field, um, helps women, but then also has this organizational background and, and I'm going to get to all that, but I want to start with, um, you're in San Diego now. Did you grow up in San Diego? I did. Born and raised native. My family's been here since the twenties. Whoa. You don't hear that every day either. Right? We're old school. <laughs> so, so who came first? Is that grandpa, grandma? Uh, my grandparents. Yeah, my grandparents came out uh, from actually the Michigan area where you are now. So they came out and came west and uh, the rest was history. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. So my, my grandparents came out to San Diego as well when they settled from, they were in Jersey and like Ohio and, and a couple of different spots. But my dad's parents came out to San Diego brought the family business doing uh, metal refining of all things. And then my dad came out and his brother landed in San Diego. And then my, my dad, for some reason, landed in Orange County. And then that's wow. where I came from, you know? So yeah. we got, we got that, we got that tie in. Um, would you it. ever consider leaving San Diego or is this, uh, is this forever? No. <laughs> this is forever for <laughs> <No>. me. <laughs> I mean, I love to travel. I mean, we were in you know Europe this summer. I travel a lot for speaking and with clients. So I'm all over the place. But, you know, San Diego is always home and just love it. You know, kids, grandkids here. It's like, this is home. Oh, how, many, how many kids do you have? How many grandkids do you have? So I have two grown daughters and my oldest daughter is married and has three grandkids. And actually, number four is on the way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> now, this isn't, this isn't fair, but what do you like best? Is it the kids or the grandkids? Well, you know, I, they say that you have kids to have your grandkids, you know, because you get to send them home. Right? <laughs> they do say that. I wondered if it was actually true. It actually pretty much is, although I adore my daughters and, uh, you know, they know that. But there's just something magical about the grandkids. It almost feels like you did something right. <laughs> Especially if they're, they're healthy and fun-loving kids, I'm sure they are. Definitely. So, cool. so you get to see them pretty often? I do. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're here in town. That's such a, such a blessing. You know, I, I know that's one of the hardest things for my parents when we moved across the country was, you know, they'd see Val at my son every, every week and they take him and he sleep over. And now it's going to be that, well, let's, let's visit when we can. And they're coming out in a few weeks. So that'll be nice. Hey, nice. So, so you, when you were a kid, did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur or is that something that kind of crept up on you? Was it a, a, a shift that you got out of the workforce or did you like, you know, have 15 lemonade stands? What, what, what were you like as a kid in comparison to entrepreneurship? 
Right. You know, I think it's a little bit of both, actually. Uh, you know, I wasn't really sure exactly what direction. I wasn't one of those kids that grew up and go, oh, I hope to grow up and be this, right? And you'll know why in a moment, because uh, I kind of fell into my career. But I also was pretty entrepreneurial. My mom actually uh, owned a deli growing up, but my dad was a government employee. So I kind of had both things going on and loved having the lemonade stand. And, you know, anytime we'd go to the store and we'd get to like buy candy, I'd buy like three and then I would like sell other ones. So I kind of had that entrepreneurial uh, spirit that, that was in there. Did you help your mom out at the deli? You know, it's so funny. I'm like the only kid that, that didn't. I actually uh, worked at, uh, my grandfather had a, a dry cleaners, a Loya dry cleaners for many years. And so uh, I went there working for him when I was 12 because uh, my mom wouldn't give me allowance. And so I was like, I want to have my own money. So my grandfather hired me there and, and my other siblings worked for my mom. Interesting. And, and was there anything around? So, so for me, I think sometimes, you know, when you see kids growing up with an entrepreneur parent and maybe they're not around as much, or maybe you watch them with a work-life balance that's out of whack. Um, did you, and maybe it was completely the opposite. Did you see your mom in, in a positive business light? Like, Oh, it's so cool. My mom has this business and she gets to have all this freedom. Or did you kind of see it the other way of like, wow, like when I grow up, I don't want to own a deli. <laughs> what, what was the reaction? Again, I think that's a little bit of both. Like my mom was actually a stay-at-home mom when we were growing up. She was like the cool mom where all the kids stayed at our house. And, you know, it was like if everybody could pile in the car, we, they could come home with us. And, you know, so she was home. And it wasn't until I was in high school that she opened up the deli. And she only had it for eight years. And she did it so she could put, you know, us three kids uh, into college and help support the family. And then as soon as my sister uh, graduated college, she sold the deli. So it was very purposeful for her there. And we knew that that was like the family purpose around that. So she worked a lot of hours for sure. Uh, and, but wasn't, wasn't afraid of hard work. I mean, I worked start when I was 12. So it was one of those, like, that was just what we grew up with. Wow. And, and so she didn't start until you were in high school. I love yeah. that. You don't, you don't hear that every day also when, you know, you hear, Hey, my, my mom, my dad did this, but here was the purpose behind it. Right. So did, did you align with that? Were you like, Hey, I get that. That's really cool. She's doing this for us. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're all going to get to go to college. Yeah. That was the idea. So did you know, did you want to go to college or did you, were, were you hands up in the air? Who knows? Or was that like the initial plan? And did you think it through? Well, you know, it's funny. We grew up going like college was not, not optional. Like you were going to college. So it was like the whole growing up was, you know, my mom came from actually a really wealthy family and my dad came from a really poor family. So again, this dynamics that came in. And so I was the oldest. So there was always kind of that higher expectation. And when it was time for me to go to college, my dad said, okay, are you going to be a doctor or an attorney? Like those were my only two choices in the world. And I'm like, well, I really don't want to be a doctor. Uh, yeah, I kind of like law, so I'll be an attorney. So that's why I went and got my degree in criminal justice. And that's how I kind of went down the path of law was only because that was presented to me. I really was in this kind of bubble of 12 years Catholic school and this is how things are done. And it wasn't like, well, I'll see what I'm going to be when I grow up. It was one of those like, here you go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> so 12 years of Catholic school. I'm not even going to go there too much. <laughs> Uh, so many stories. Yeah. I do have a friend though, has, has a really interesting podcast you guys should chat called The Broken Catholic. And <laughs> it's so great. It's about growing up and walking away and coming back and finding God's love and like, and what it means to actually kind of unify people together. Uh, right. But there's some great, great stories. And usually anyone with any kind of religious upbringing usually has some interesting stories around um, what that means. So anyway, talk, talk, talk to Joseph on The, on the Broken Catholic. A little plug for him. Uh, <laughs> so 
so you're growing up now and you decide you have this double bind. You have a, a either or choice, it seems. Yep. And criminal justice, being a lawyer, being a doctor. Now, do you have any, why were those two things the choices? And was that from your dad's side? Yeah, for he sure. Grew up, he grew up poor and he grew up, what was he doing again? He was working in a... So- so my dad like worked, you know, grew up in Indiana on the farm, one of eight kids, you know, the youngest, uh, you know, spent a lot of time painting barns and, and decided to, on a dare, join the Navy, which brought him to San Diego. And what was so wild about that is because he was so poor, he couldn't go home for the holidays. My mother lost her father when, uh, he, when she was 12. And so my grandmother felt that uh, there should be no families home alone for the holidays. So what she started doing was she would send a car to like the military services. If anybody was there, they could come over for dinner. So my dad happened to be one of those guys that was invited over to the house. That's how my parents met. Oh and, my gosh. So through your mom's wild? mom inviting your military dad so yeah. he wouldn't be alone on Thanksgiving. Right. And then totally. it just kind of went from there. Yeah. And so my dad growing up the way he huh. did, he, you know, thought that, well, if you were an attorney or a doctor, you'd always be set. So it was kind of like a financial incentive for him to be like, hey, you know, grow up and get a good job kind of thing. Wow. It's funny that you find so many different answers for that question in different cultures, right? So in your totally. culture, it was doctor or lawyer. Right. When we, uh, we used to do courses in Fiji constantly, and what you find there is the dream. If you could save up enough money to send your kid to school, you could be hopefully maybe you could go to the capital and go to school for three years and then come out and either be a hotel service person or the big, big deal would be if you were, could be an engineer. Like if you were an engineer or a manager or, some, or an accountant, an engineer or an accountant. Isn't it funny? Right. It's like these different, yeah. different levels. Um, wow. So you right. went after the criminal justice. When did you know that it wasn't going to be for you or did you do it for a while? Because I, I know you got the degree in criminal justice. Did you go to law school? Did you go partway, all the way? What was Right. The so, I, you know, I, I got my degree, my four-year degree in college and criminal justice. And then my senior year, I actually uh, worked for an attorney. I was, I was going on the path. I was getting ready to take my LSAT and do the whole thing. And, and when I started working for the attorney, I started doing like shepherdizing. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like looking up things and, and like for cases. And it was like, I go, oh God, just shoot me now. Like, it was just like so boring for me. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm like, but what am I going to do? Like, I'm getting ready to graduate college with this degree and I don't want to go into law. And so uh, other guys that were in class with me, they were going into law enforcement. And so they had just said like, hey, why don't you go on a couple ride alongs and come check this out, which I did. And I found it really interesting to know. I like that being in the know, like it was like one of those, like what's happening. You go in like certain houses and you find out what's happening. And I thought, well, you know what? I could do this. And, And mind you, I'd never even held a gun before. I knew nothing about the profession. I was, you know, 25 and I, you know, they were looking, there weren't very many women in law enforcement in the time. And so they're like, oh, well, just take the test and see. So I'm like, oh, just kind of a look-see. I took the test. And between the time of taking the test, three months later, I was on the street and on the department. So it was like, boom, it was on. Well, and this was in San Diego, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was in San Diego. And at the time I was working patrol, but I was also doing a lot of undercover in gangs, narcotics, and vice. And when I was coming on, uh, it was, there was like the Green River serial killer. And there was just a lot of serial killer series that were going on and they were killing prostitutes. So I went undercover as a prostitute to be able to uh, stop some of the serial killer series. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. Right? 
<laughs> so. Now, mind you, this is coming from 12 years of Catholic school, having no flippant idea of what's going on on the street and that people even live like this. I mean, detectives were totally laughing at me because I'd have to ask them questions like, so do people pay for this? And this is illegal and people do this. I mean, it was just. So they explained the whole racket to you and how the whole thing right. works. Did you know when you went in three months later, did you know you were going to go after undercover or was it like, okay, I go on patrol and then an opportunity got presented and they said, hey, we need right. someone to help and you're a yep. woman and this is the time and this is what's going on. Yep. Did you hesitate yeah. with that or did you say, hey, if, that, if there's a need, I'm jumping in? What, what, was your, what was your emotion, your thought process to the opportunity to go on vice, undercover, prostitution, murdering rings? Right. Wow. You know, it's interesting. I think like all of, of, of my career in law enforcement is that you just, you don't know what you're getting into. And I think that the, the great thing is that we are so well-trained that when things come up, you rely on your training. And so you don't think so much about things in, in the time. I mean, you're thinking about what's the next thing to do. If you overthought it too much, the fear would probably take you out of making it happen. And because you know, you, you want to make an impact, you want to serve, you want to do what you, you need to do to, and, and this was such a huge thing. I mean, a lot of people, especially the Green River Killer, killed 70 women. I mean, seven zero. It's a lot of women and wow. a lot of things happening in the world that I didn't even know about that was happening. And so I didn't really question the assignment. I mean, it was more of uh, I w had some really great other female officers that were really um, kind of showed me the ropes and how to kind of make it fun and to just really kind of get out of, out of myself, if you will, and really almost take on an acting role to just be like, okay, here we go. And it wasn't that we cared like who was sleeping with who. It was more about who a prostitution is associated with either people that are on parole or they're killers or they're, you know, I mean, there's some people that do it for the thrill of it, but usually there's some association, which is why we even do it. So you're, so they're really looking for the connections and looking to, to find some organizational ties to, right. to work your way towards potentially who was a Green River killer. Right. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And, and you start telling, you can start feeling the difference in just personalities for people where somebody that's just, you know, wanting to have a good time versus one of the things I really noticed in being undercover is that I have looked evil in the face. And I mean, there are just some people that their intentions, you can feel it. And that's when you're like, wow. God be with me because it's like, it's, it was pretty scary because there, I mean, first of all, you can have a radio, you can have a weapon. You're you, undercover, right? Yeah, you're undercover. You're like, you know, you got to rely on, you know, your detectives to be watching out for you. Uh, and because anything can go down. Did, now, I don't need to share details necessarily, but did you ever find yourself in some pretty scary or, or like considerably dangerous situations? Yes. Near misses? Yes. yes. Any, uh, any interesting stories from that time that you'd be willing to share in any, any way is interesting, whether it's uh, <laughs> bizarre or... <laughs> Right. Well, I actually have two because people, they, they love the, the stories around it. But I mean, I've had times where like I would be on the corner and, you know, there, there literally are pimps. And I felt like it was like a, an episode out of like Starsky and Hutch where you got this big Cadillac coming around the corner, two pimps and hats, you know, they were coming out and they were like, you know, hey, baby, you know, it's like they didn't know who I was. So they think that you're, you know, infringing on their territory and they were getting ready to open the doors and pull me into the car. 
luckily there was a my detective that was on it and had already gotten close to the street and we went to this whole replay or role play that we just uh didn't really plan but like he was my pimp and so we went to this whole like role play of like i'm sorry i didn't mean to do and you know and he was like getting me off the street and and they had this whole confrontation and he just basically pulled me around the corner and before the altercation of getting me actually in the car. So things can happen that quickly um, when you're out there. Um, but another thing is that it's so wild sometimes for the ones who are just doing it for fun, their commitment to actually engage with you. Like you'll see times where guys would just circle the block like, you know, several times and had a guy who was looking at me and was doing the whole rubberneck where he kept like looking at me a little too long and hit mm. the center divide. And literally the, the wheel of his car fell off his car, rolled, he kind of skidded over to the side and parked, but he still came over and solicited me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and I arrested him and we were- you arrested back. him. I totally arrested him. And we did like this interview type thing. And I'm like, okay, was it not like a sign to you that you like crashed, that maybe this wasn't a good idea? He's like, well, I figured I had to wait for the tow truck. So I had the extra time. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Like what goes through people's heads and it's insane. I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, I've even had a guy who I arrested the same guy for the same crime twice in one day. And it's like, he had gotten out and came back again. And I'm like, what even possessed you? He's like, I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> I thought you looked familiar. Yeah. I'm the one who arrested you. <laughs> now, now we're, I mean, we're kind of, there's obviously some crazy stories around that, but, um, right. That had to have been, I mean, compared to what you do now, and I want to talk about the transition. Yeah. Um, did you come to the twilight or the end of your time on Vice and your time in the police force feeling like, was it a down look, like a, the outlook towards life of like, man, there's a lot of sickness, there's a lot of hurt out there? Or did you kind of come to the end going, hey, I've made a big, I made a dent, uh, or hey, there's no dent to be, like, what was the outlook and what was kind of your final, your, your thoughts, your feelings around the transition time? What brought that about? Well, you know, Matt, I think it's all the above. I mean, there's so much that happens. I mean, I had a 10 year, you know, career before I got injured. And, you know, my last case was a, a kidnapping murder case where I actually knew the child. And I mean, there's just a oh, lot of things goodness. that come out of that stuff. And, you know, it has impact, especially, you know, my daughters were, were young at the time as well. And, you know, the impact is just so, I mean, I have so much respect for, for any type of first responders where it's military, police, fire. I mean, you just show up every day and you know, it's not if something's gonna happen, it's when. And I think that that's also where faith comes in and you, know, you have to have some foundation that you build around that. And I believe it was actually kind of an act of God when I got injured because I probably would have been in you know, a longer time and you know, probably did a 20 year career and I think at 10, you know, I will say that's kind of a hundred years, dog years, but of every day on the street. But, you know, I think that it's one of those that you have to take yourself out of situations. I mean, you and I've talked a lot about environments and the environments you're in and the environments that you create. And you have to have times away where you just have complete separation from that kind of world. And, uh, you know, there was some frustration uh, coming out around politics. You know, a lot of times things that you see on the news aren't actually what happens because of sensationalism. And, you know, of it's course. just, it can be really frustrating to see some of the things that are there. But at the end of the day, uh, most people are there to make a difference in their community and, uh, you know, work really hard. 
And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of professions where when, you know, the, you know, what hits the fan that we're, we're running towards it when everyone else is running away. So it's, um, it was definitely a good, um, awakening, if you will, to what was happening in the world. And I know I had impact, um, you know, on children and families and, and that part I'm really proud about. Uh, however, it's tough, you know, it's tough to, to have certain memories that, you know, you don't want to have. I mean, when you see, you know, a lot of death around you and you see it in the moment and that first time someone dies in front of you, I mean, there's a lot of heaviness that comes with that work. And I did a lot of things to help you know, really, I mean, part of my work is also removing trauma from the body. And you just, that mindset that you have, you just have to know how to shift yourself out of those things. And I think that's kind of what happens is that, you know, I lived a lot in an emergency mode and I, I see entrepreneurs doing that. And that's where some of the connections started happening was, you know, everyone seemed to be living in an emergency mode. And so I really try and help people like emerge into their best self and not stay in that. And do you feel like when you, when you train, cause you transitioned into life coaching at around 2006, is that right? Mm -hmm. Either going to school or starting that as a business. Okay. And do you, do you feel like you, you, the police force and all your experience there, did that set you up as like, okay, that was my foundation. And after what I've done, what I've seen, what my life's been like, now there's a whole new set of challenges that I want to help people through. And I want to like, I want to, you're starting to see the, the deeper problems around people's society, what they're struggling with, or right. was it something different? Did you, do you feel like that kind of pushed you into that next season, the next chapter as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were completely, you know, a, a coach, a counselor on the street, you know, talking to kids who are, you know, making, who either made bad decisions or are about to make bad decisions. Uh, you know, you're constantly in relationships, domestic violence. I mean, there's so many different things where you have to think quick on your feet and you have to really, um, you know, see what works with that. I was doing a lot of uh, listening to like personal growth. So I was really trying to balance uh, any of the negativity. And I think what gets tough as a police officer is when you see the worst of society every single day, you can sometimes forget there's actually good people, right? And so when you see examples of it out there, you know, somebody that's like, hey, you know, you're in Starbucks and they're like, you're doing a good job or, you know, just those little things are, are such a, a huge thing when you, you see so much of the negativity. But you know, even before I was doing the life coaching, I was helping people organize while I was on the department uh, because organization to me helped you know, me put order in my life for myself and um, for clients that I had too. And it's like any way you can actually put order in somebody's life, uh, I think makes a difference. So whether it was physical clutter or it was giving advice or it was just helping people in their life, I think it was absolutely a, a natural transition because uh, I would have been in thousands of homes. I'm like, I'd seen things that people don't even want you to see in their homes. Uh, and that's when I coined the clutter to drama ratio and started really utilizing that as well. And I want to talk about that next too. So you actually started doing organizational help and work while you're on the force and then you added and you, and you went into life coaching and then you had this combination. And I feel like what you just said too was so, I want to make sure we really get the lesson out of that. You said anytime you can bring order and organization into a situation, it's going to make it better. I'm paraphrasing, but anytime you bring order and organization, so whether it be physical organization, I'm sure you can help people with, with the actual physical environment of the home, but mm -hmm. also the order or the organization of, what are other examples of that that are outside of say like clutter and, and physical shelving units and that kind of stuff? What right. would you consider order? 
I think your mind, I mean, I think that your mind can totally like, you know, go off. A lot of times I, I talk about, I, I heard uh, one time and I just love it. I use it all the time is that, you know, your mind is like a bad neighborhood, right? It's like, don't go in there alone. Right. It's like, <laughs> you know, Spoken as a vice officer, right. You know, and it's just, Get it's, back up. it's totally, that is the case. So I mean, cause true. you think about physical in a physical space, you think of a bad neighborhood. It's like, you know, all the things that are coming at you and, and it's just like, well, how are you going to respond? Well, think about all the thoughts that come in your mind. If you don't do things to combat that in having, I mean, I love how you always have like a podcast running. You were talking about when you're in airports and I always have one in my car. It's like, with all the things that happen in the world that can kind of derail you and maybe have you second guess yourself or, or just have a thought where you can even almost go like, well, who, where'd that even come from? Right. I mean, a lot of times we can just absorb just media around us and, and have that. I mean, I actually don't listen to media, uh, you know, particularly the news at all, uh, because I find that it can make me be bummed out. Right. It's like, it makes you think that there's only bad things happening in the world. And, um, I know there's some people talk about having just positive, uh, media and not from a Pollyanna standpoint, but from a preserve your mind to actually be able to step up in the world in a way where you can actually show up positively. I think that's an active thing that you actually need to do. And I think that's where coaching and mentoring really come in because it's not that we don't all know what to do. I mean, we can Google anything to make something happen. It's having somebody who keeps you accountable that when you know what to do and you're still not doing it, that comes back to mindset. Right. And, and whether you're talking about not representing yourself as a lawyer, not cutting yourself as a doctor, or, uh, you know, I, I think in the coaching space, we all need that. You know, I, right. I, I, I usually have a coach every year. Now and again, I've had a lapse, but I have, I have a coach now for different places. Um, I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I've spent $45,000 this year just on, on one coach, right? Yep. Because I'm very, very happy to have someone who's going to call me out who's going to keep me positive. And it's about some, some parts of life and business that I want to create and move towards. So it's interesting that when, like when I, when I bring what I'm doing in a certain area, like say even in podcasting, right? If I bring that to like just my circle of friends, family, et cetera, no one quite gets it because they're not in that space. And they might go, Oh, that's really neat. You're doing that. Or, Oh my gosh, how, what does that even do? What's the purpose? But you know, just coming back from say like a mastermind this last week of just podcasters, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I know why I'm doing this. And we all have yeah. setting goals and intentions and, 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 and yeah. accountability and sharing best practices. And, and there's just always something about having that outside perspective. So oh, that's huge, I want Matt. I mean, I, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I travel a lot when I speak or when I'm working with clients and I'm all over the place. And so my dad will all the time, like put stuff on Facebook going, there's Diane doing whatever it is that she does. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah, sometimes our, our parents, my, yeah, same thing. My parents are very supportive. I think sometimes though, they don't know what I actually do half right. the time, right? Yeah. Like, but it's great. I'm sure <laughs> something. Totally. So I, I want to bring it back just a, a minute ago because I think there was some more in there about the organizational uh, work. Um, dropping order, again, that's the, the, the nugget I'm taking away from this. I think that I'm going to go to bed tonight thinking about is whenever you can bring, quoting Diane Halfman, Whatever you can bring order and organization to a place or to a person or to a situation, it's always going to make it better. And it's also a biblical principle too. Um, you know, when, when you look at like God always has an order to things yeah. and he always has a, a, a spiritual organization to things, right? There were, you know, in the early church, there were elders and they were, and every time what happened is whenever they dropped in more order, they dropped in someone that said, okay, you're recognized as a deacon, which means a servant. You're recognized now as this person who's going to help. What happened is there was always growth and expansion afterwards. 
So right. order always allowed for more growth. Um, so you do that on many levels with clients now. Um, you, you gear this towards women and towards entrepreneurs. Why did you choose women? Now, I know you can help anyone, of course, right? right? But why did you gear it towards women? Do you find that they needed it more or less? Did you find they were more open and receptive? Or did you find because you're a woman, you related? Like, what was the story behind that? Right. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, you're right. I do help, you know, men and women. And I think with the men, they like, because maybe this is the cop part of me where it's like, okay, this is what's happening, right? To keep them accountable to the things that they say that they want. So that'll happen. I think particularly with women is they tend to want to wear because they, they think that they've, you know, become uh, really well at multitasking and that they wear so many hats. And a lot of times they go from, you know, mother to entrepreneur, you know, maybe they're even working, you know, somewhere else as well. Plus they're, doing things in the home like they're doing so many different things that I found that women will come to me from that place of overwhelm you know so a lot of my my women who they they have you know they've kept it all together for long periods of time but they've kind of hit a point where it's like what they were doing is no longer working and so then the overwhelm and the anxiety comes more so it's time to kind of back off and look and see like what are the systems and the structures and things that you need to look at differently and you know you and I were talking a little bit prior to that where sometimes you know we come become our own client in some ways and so i have to check myself because when things are out of order it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes that means that you're moving to the next level Level and that you're doing something different. And so the out of order cannot feel like you're out of your comfort zone. So that can trigger some you know, stress and anxiety. Um, I just had this happen last week. So it's not like it's one of those things that happens like 10 years from now, but because I'm shifting a lot of things. I'm doing like a you know, not only my podcast, but I'm doing like some in-person things. I'm doing a webinar. I'm doing, you know, a live event. I mean, when all these things start bubbling up, I got my own overwhelm and I had my own meltdown day and had to go to my mentors who were just like, oh yeah, you need to take a day off, right? It was just like when you travel and some of the days butt up against each other, you kind of forget that that's part of the environments that you're creating, the clutter that comes up in your head and in your spirit. So there's clutter of your spirit as well when even though you love what you do, you still need to check out a little bit and reset and you know reclaim all those that power that's leaking out of you, you know, is such a, a huge thing. And so I think it's important to have conversations with entrepreneurs where especially this is where mentors really come into play and going to events and really connecting with that same brain of going through the same things because people don't always talk about the frustration sometimes when you're you know alone at home and you don't feel that other people are going through these things and they can be growth things and you know you always want to look at somebody who's you know a couple steps ahead of you that can really give you some perspective and have that happen so you know I look at uh, you know clutter and lack of order is just part of the process it's sometimes messy in the middle and you have to get through whether it's physical clutter mental or in your spirit like asking yourself what is it that you need we have so much internal wisdom that we don't always tap because we're doing too much. So sometimes and what I was hearing from kind of the beginning of this is sometimes the, the lack of organization or the order change comes because you don't have the order or something's not working, but also sometimes it comes because it's a season change. Sometimes it comes because you're getting into something new, something different. So again, I just, I like to kind of recap. I always hear that lesson that comes out of your stories and I love it so much. So number one is if you feel like you're out of order or out of organization, it might be something that's unhealthy potentially. 
but it also might be something that is happening because you're shaking things up and you're moving. So in that case, either way, we still want that outside perspective. You still want that coach's perspective to help you to, to shake things out and to get things back into the new order, right? The new organization. The second thing I heard you say that I thought was so powerful was when things are budding up back to back, it's like the travel you talked about, taking time, and I call it like processing time. I think all of us have, have different time frames we need to process. Like some people, you can go through four hours of something and, and you need 90 minutes to process after that. Or you go through three days and you need a half a day to chill and process what happened emotionally, mentally, physically, et cetera. Um, and then we can always push ourselves beyond our limits, right? Um, how, if you were to guess, and I don't know if you've thought about this before, I think there's a ratio of, of energy exertion and then inward processing or recharging uh, time what would you say is yours? Like if, if I said, Hey, Diane, I got this and this and this for you. How much can you healthfully do before you need to come back? Is it a day and you need the evening? Is it a week and you need a day? Like how, how, what's that ratio look like for you? Well, I love how you say healthy because I think we've yeah. all kind of pushed limits on that, right? You can always because, push it and then that's not good. <laughs> right. You know, you know, I've gone back to just taking a day off and it's so wild to me because you know, taking like, it seems now like people are working six, seven days a week and that doesn't work for me. Like I can do it if I travel or certain things that happen, but you know, there's a reason that there's supposed to be a day of rest, Amen. you know? And so for me, if I have that, I like to have like Saturday where I may be working on a project as part of the day and then kind of like the second half kind of ease in to having like Sunday off. And so like a day and a half is like really good for me um, to be able to have that. So um, I don't even know what that ratio is, but, uh, you know, I think just doing that, like if I have a couple weekends in a row where I don't take a day off, I feel like it's cumulative. Like all of a sudden it's like, what was like, not that big a deal, something that kind of breaks the camel's back where it's all of a sudden it's like, you know, I'm in my bathroom and I'm crying right? <laughs> and you know, my Carrie will come in the room and he'll be like, okay, you're not really that emotional. So <laughs> what's up, you know, what's going on? and it's just, the energy of, you know, when you're just trying to balance too many things. And uh, so it's, it's so important. I, I love to talk about, and if you, uh, in the book, like uh, essentialism, they talk about as an entrepreneur that you're the asset. And there's so many things where if you keep pushing yourself to be last and, and you know, it's a matter of you're going to get sick or something's going to happen. You've got it. Wellness is such a big part of, it's a priority in business. And if you push that off, and you're sick, that's going to take you even more time out of the game. So, you know, if you do the things that really uh, feed your soul and also your health and your relationships, I mean, all of those things matter as part of your entrepreneurial plan. It's not just about the business plan. Which brings me to you have, and you mentioned your podcast. I want to plug it real quick. So what's the name of the podcast and what's, what's it about? So it's the Live Your Spa Life Show. And uh, the spa and spa life, the SPA, is seek power always. So it's that power within you. You have the answers. You just need to break them out. So your spa life? Yeah, live your spa life. Live your spa life. So you can find that, I'm sure, on iTunes and everywhere. Check out Live Your Spa Life. I'm, uh, awesome, awesome podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. And you, so in there and in the spa life work, um, seeking power always, looking for the internal power you said there's nine uh, key elements in our lives, right? Nine key elements to look at. I'm sure we, we don't, I mean, it's been long form, but we don't have time to get into every single one of them. What are a couple of the key elements you talk about 
maybe the most important one or a couple that come to mind that you want us to know that are going to make the biggest difference in our lives if we really want to have our quote spa life right right well i think that in the physical environment is actually really important i mean environment's everything it actually pulls you into the direction of you having the experience that you have our actually behavior changes depending on what the environment is and just to give you an example of that how you're maybe behaving, behaving with like a night out with the boys or girls may be different than how you show up at church, right? And it's not that, it, it's different aspects of you, right? We're, we're this kaleidoscope of, of different experiences, but the environment that we're in tends to dictate how we respond. Uh, so for instance, I always love to tell my cupcake story, whereas if you have a, a health goal and you bring in, you know, gorgeous thousand calorie cupcake and you sit it on your counter, it's a matter of time when you walk past it because it's in your environment, either you're gonna to be too stressed, hungry, nothing else to eat, you're just gonna eat it because it's there, right? So if you wanna have a healthy life, you wanna have healthy things in there. Now it doesn't mean you can't ever have a treat, but I will say don't sleep with the enemy, don't keep it in the house, you have to go out and drive and go get it, right? You Man, know, I that it's one of those- my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get rid of my red velvet Oreos in the pantry. What am I doing? Right. I mean, it's just a matter of time. It's there. And so it make it more difficult where you actually have to go out and get it and enjoy it, right? You don't have the guilt of it. But then when you come back in, you got the sanctity that you've created for yourself in your environment, whether it's your office or, or your home or whatever, like your physical space is so key um, in the environment that you create. So um, the physical space is definitely one. We talked about mindset. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, just for a second. So, yeah. so again, just kind of as a recap, what I'm hearing is don't make bad choices easily accessible. It could yes. be a very simple thing, right? So if you control your environment, you don't necessarily have to never eat a cupcake if you want to, you know, have less sugar or be healthy, but don't surround yourself with cupcakes. Make it something that you get to choose. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go get this dessert. And I'm going to enjoy that rather than just having like two a day because they're there because you're hungry or tired. I love that. So set your environment up for success and make the bad choices hard and the good choices easy. Would that be accurate to say? Absolutely. All right. Yes. And then you were going to say the key for, uh, so one of the other keys would be the mindset and what's right. your take on that? So I think with the, with the mindset is, you know, you got to be filling yourself up with as much goodness as possible, you know, whether that is something in your, your spirituality or in your relationships, you know, you want to hang around with people that are actually going to support you. I mean, if you got people telling you like you can't do something, they're not your people. Like, you just don't want to be hanging around that. And so anything that you can do to fill your mind up from a positive, you got to set yourself up to win. And that's how you want to do it. So equally important, set yourself up with the same kind of people environmentally. They're going to set up the, the kind of mindset, the kind of uh, influence, the kind of decision making and, and, and even activities, right? That you'd want to do as well. Um, let me, I want to talk about just as we're, we're coming to, we got to wrap up pretty quickly, but I got a couple more good questions for you. Um, I want to talk about that clutter to drama ratio because we said we'd come back to that and I want to hit that now. So what does it mean to have a clutter to drama ratio and why does it matter for me? Okay. So that came out of my work in the police department where I was literally in thousands of homes and I found that the homes that had the most clutter had the most drama in their life. Like we got called out, you know, where things were just, you know, in their relationships or, you know, all kinds of things that were going on. And it didn't really matter from a socioeconomic. I mean, it was, you know, wealthy homes and poor homes. It was just like the more stuff that was in there, there tend to be a relationship having that. And so that's when I came up with 
the uh, more clutter you had in your space, the more clutter you had in your mind. You had drama in your life, things that were not working. And the reverse was true as well. Is like when you started clearing out the things that weren't working in your space, you had better relationships. Uh, you know, your finances were better. It was like you were more clear. It was like there was a direct relationship of what's happening because of the environment that you're in. I mean, and you could say like, hey, most of my things are, are fine in, in your space, but some people have like a drunk junk drawer or there's like that, you know, in the floor in the backseat of their car or they're got their work spread over in every room of their home. That scatters your mind and it doesn't allow you to stay focused because as an entrepreneur in particular, creativity is huge. You're creating the material you're doing. Well, creativity craves clarity. And so in order to have clarity in your space, and I'm just talking about in front of you, it leaks your power. And so the you know, clutter to drama ratio is that you want to clear out as many things that aren't supporting you in your space, you know, things that you don't love, that you don't use, that don't, you know, Somebody else can definitely be using that so that you can have more peace of mind and have more clarity so you can do your real work in the world. That is fascinating. So would you say that it's, is it, is it chicken or the egg in this case? Meaning like, is it always, hey, you, the more clutter, the more drama? Or would you say, is it equally true that the clutter can be a reflection of how you're thinking? Like, say you have your living rooms clean, your all these different areas are nice and clean, but then your office is a huge mess full of sticky notes. Would, would you say that's a reflection of how you're viewing your work life? Or is it that because you can't organize it, your work life becomes confusing? Is it a two-way street? Yeah, it's absolutely two-way street. It can go either one and you can just see what start because what's happening in your environment, it literally is a reflection of your internal environment. What's happening within you, in your mind, it starts projecting out into your space. So if you start feeling like scattered in your head, look in your space. How many sticky notes do you have out there? Like what is happening? You know, what are the systems that are really supporting you? Uh, and sometimes when you're making like too many decisions, like I love, you know, you and I've talked about how like making like a, a one and done decision, like, okay, these are the five vegetables that I'm going to eat. This is how I'm going <laughs> to travel. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, these are the things, right? If you don't have to make some of these decisions over and over again, it's a way to actually clear your mind. We have so much like nonsense that's going on in our head that is not supporting what we're doing. Um, and I think one of the greatest tools uh, that I like to use with my clients is the brain dump. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, you know, there's so much is happening, just grab out a piece of paper and just write one or two words of everything in your head. Because a lot of times we think we have a hundred things in there, but there's a lot of times it's like eight or 10 that are just rolling in your head over and over again. Recycling over and over again. Right. And it's open loops. And so you need to basically decide either, hey, I'm not doing that or you're going to delegate it or get it on your calendar or something needs to happen with that, but don't let it roll around and run your day. That's so good. So I was going to ask you, my next question was, what's a practical tip we can do? So that's actually my practical tip from Diane is the brain dump. Um, yeah. I love that. I use that. Can I say too, do you have a strategy for post brain dump? And here's why I ask. What I find is I remember lying awake. It was in the last couple of weeks and I don't, I don't stress myself out too badly usually, but this particular night, I just could not sleep. And I kept thinking, kept thinking. So I was like, oh, I'm going to brain dump. So I take your advice. I pull open, uh, I didn't have a piece of paper. So I pull up my phone on the notes and I was like, let me just, and I actually made categories of brain dump. So I was like all this travel stuff. I was like, oh, I need to change that hotel. I need to book this and I need to shift this flight and, and all that. And then it was work communication. And then it was all this TV stuff. And then it was things on the podcast. And then, and then I added all these things up and I'm like, wow, and then there's probably 30 items 
like individual items, but they chunked into like four different categories. So here's my challenge. And I'm curious what you think about this. After I brain dump, I feel so much peace that now it's out of my head that I won't think about it again if I don't look at my brain dump sheet. So do you have a strategy or like what would you do with that list if it's actually full of things that, that are important or things that you have to take care of or decide on? What's your next right. step? Okay. That, this is perfect. So there's actually two things. First of oh, all, good. you are like ultra organized, Matt, where you actually get it in <laughs> your, your phone and you've got it all in there. And so um, there's two different things with that. I mean, if that works for you and using your phone with it, that's great. But in the middle of the night, it's not always good to like, you know, get electronics going because that also can kind of, you know, wind you up. And there's something about actually pen to paper about actually letting your mind release things out. So that is, is part totally of the process. I totally agree. That would have been much, much better. Right. And so that way you probably would have been able to get back to bed a little bit easier, that happening. And what happens with that too, is I like to have kind of like four different categories of the stuff that's being dumped on there. Like one of them is like calls, like who do you need to call? You know, what needs it like, like activities, who do you need to email or write or things like that? What are appointments that you need to do? And what are like errands and things, personal things that you need to do? Those are kind of like the four broad categories because then you can kind of start seeing like, okay, what, what is the most happening? How can you group them together? Because a lot of times what people do with their list, they'll go, oh, I'll call someone, then I'll run to the store, then I'll go on an errand, then I'll email. And it's like their brain is back to mush because they've got too many different activities going on. The brain likes rhythm, it likes habits. And so you wanna group those things together. So whether or not you do that on a brain dump on a piece of paper, or you do it on the phone like you have it, the next step is to get it on your calendar. Because your calendar is like, that is a reflection of your life. It's a very underutilized <laughs> tool, I believe, for people where you actually have an alert, you know, and you have it on there when you're going to do it. So if you're going with the category of either a specific activity that you have going on or you're going to have calls, I put in my calendar to call and I give myself the time that I need on there because if it's not on your calendar, it just does not happen. Right. And so that's a huge thing. That's definitely the next step. Thank you so much. And I love that you can jump right to that. So I think for a lot of us, it feels like, okay, we've brain dumped and then you have to do something. You have to make this chart and you have to do a poster board or who knows what you have to do. And then one day you'll use a calendar. So go right to the calendar. That's awesome. Um, we're coming to the twilight, unfortunately, the interview. I can't believe how fast it's going. So thank you for, for hanging out with me so much. It's been good to get to know you. Um, last couple of questions. Um, one, what what can we do like around this space with you? Do you have a, like a, a resource, a go-to? Um, this is your chance to, to serve, add value, but also plug something that's really great that you have. So whether it's a, a, a book or a podcast or a report or anything at all, what should we look at next if we wanna learn more about um, the, the clutter to drama, the spa lifestyle, and really having more of this peace in our lives, the Diane Halfman way? Oh, well, thank you so much for asking about that. You know, I do, uh, when I speak, I speak about my power talk because there's so much leaking of power that happens. But the first step is having awareness, right? I mean, so many times when we get into, you know, our routines and things that happen in life, and it's not till like a crisis happens that we kind of start looking at our life. So having an awareness of where things are working and not working is, is a huge kind of first step into looking at, at What's happening in your life? Getting that snapshot. So I created the Life Reset Quiz. So you can just go to the liferesetquiz.com. And it's like, takes two minutes. It's like a super fast, you know, thing because everybody wants to know, hey, what do I need to do right now? What's great about the quiz is it tells you right away, like, 
where your strengths are, what's working for you, and where do you need support. So you'll get a snapshot of you know, what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your physical space, and how well you are or are not taking care of yourself. Wow, it's amazing. So liferesetquiz.com. Go take the quiz and you're going to figure out what area in life's working, what's not working, and where you need to actually focus on resetting. That is awesome. So wow, I'm excited. Okay, so I'm going to be heading over there as soon as we finish up. <laughs> Thank you, Diane. And then final question, and I'll let you get going with the day. If you could go back in the crazy life you've had, um, all the ups and all the downs and all the positives and all the negatives, if you could change anything, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same? You know, it's funny. I mean, there's definitely things I would want to kind of erase from my mind from seeing. But when I actually go deeper with that question, it's always I wouldn't change a thing. Because I really believe that that's part of the path. That's part of the wisdom that we bring along. It's how we serve other people. And there's always lessons to be learned. And I think sometimes in our most trying moments is, you know, once we have perspective, that is our greatest teaching. And so I think it's all necessary. So you keep everything because of the perspectives it brought, even the pimp confrontations. You heard it here <laughs> first. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much again, Diane. Um, really, really had a lovely time. And I can't wait to see you in San Diego when I'm there next. Uh, thanks so much, Matt. We'll see you soon. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Diane, for coming out. Uh, that was so enjoyable. You know, I always love these interviews. I love what I do. This is one of the coolest jobs on the planet, really, if you think about it, just being able to to have conversations and, and interviews and hosts with, uh, with cool people like that. But I really, really appreciated this interview because, um, you know, we spent most of the time just, you know, talking about our story and family and growing up. Um, it's interesting to hear, you know, things like, you know, watching an entrepreneur or parent and then not spending time in that and then going in with another family member and, and doing the business. You know, all of us have a different story about what drove us to do the things we do. So find out more about where you are. Make sure you check out Diane's gift at liferesetquiz.com. That's liferesetquiz.com. And you can get that, <laughs> shockingly, Life Reset Quiz. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. hope you enjoyed the show this week. Happy New Year again. Uh, the holidays were awesome. I'm glad that me and my family are recovered. I hope your family's doing well. I'll catch you on Tuesday with a Teaching Tuesday. Remember to check in, subscribe, rate, and review five stars on iTunes. And subscribe. If you haven't subscribed lately, make sure you subscribe uh, on the platform you're choosing so you get this each and every week, twice a week coming at you. This Tuesday, we'll talk about why not to set goals or how your goals could kill you. And that'll be a fun, interesting conversation. Don't miss it. Coming out to you on Tuesday. Have an awesome weekend. Get out there and crush it.